Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, episode 59 and a half or 60, depending on how well I can count. This episode, we are talking about uh, At the Mountain of Madness or At the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft. I am Ryan and with me is my good buddy and fellow host, Rich. Hey, how's it going? Good. A little congested, a little, uh, little summer cold thing going on. Not Corona, probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Could just be allergies, too. Farmers you, cutting hay everywhere. If you, you don't test know. for Corona, then it's definitely not Corona. Yeah, it's totally. There's no Corona if you can't <laughs> test for it. Oh, no, please don't. Very <laughs> scary. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've dropped the uh, the Trump impression in, in any of our podcasts, so maybe this is an appropriate one <laughs> to whip him out for. Um, so, yes, we are talking horror um other than stephen king when we were in the jacob era i don't think we've done any straight up horror before so this will be interesting yeah this will be new not really my i think when i was younger i read a bit of stephen king and is it dean Koontz, something like that yep and there's maybe been like a handful of other bits and bobs but horror is not my forte it's not where i've kind of traditionally lived for sure, I I feel kind of the kind of the same about that. We should we should we should dig into that. Um, yeah, definitely. But first, let's tell you how this episode's going to work. It's going to be basically a normal episode. We'll talk a little bit about H.P. Lovecraft, uh, and then we'll get into the book, and then we'll round out the episode by deciding what we're going to do with said book. Either keep it, donate it, and if we're going to keep it, which shelf we're going to stash it on. So, let us begin. H.P. Lovecraft. Rich, do you know what H.P. stands for? It's, it's not Howard, Harry Potter. Howard something, isn't it? Or How, Howard Phillips. There we go. Yeah. So this, I always find it funny when, uh, when writers will hyphenate or uh, abbreviate their first and middle name to yeah. make their thing. H.P. Lovecraft. It just, it sounds very official, but it's just it seems a little bit. Uh, self-important uh, well i think the man is slightly self-important but i also think hp <laughs> lovecraft you're gonna buy that book uh howard yes. philip lovecraft you're like uh, uh, i don't know yeah it's um and obviously a lot of uh you know less so now i would hope but perhaps even now women hide their names by using their initials to right stop sexist assholes from not reading them <laughs> yes this is true. Um, so, speaking of sexist assholes, H.P. Um, <laughs> Lovecraft was born in 1890, died in 1937. He was American uh, from the tiny, tiny state of Rhode Island. Uh, lived in in New England most of his life. Uh, came from a wealthy family. His dad was institutionalized, and he died of colon cancer, I believe, or intestinal cancer. Um, when he was at the ripe young age of 46. So, interesting fact that I picked up from a Guardian article called 10 uh-huh. Things You Should Know About um, H.P. Lovecraft. Both his mother and his father were separately committed to the same mental institution. Whoa. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Good, Good background for your crazy horror weird horror history stuff yeah 
so he's like he's sort of I hate this I hate this word but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it because I can't think of a better word but he's sort of like the zeitgeist of like horror stuff like weird horror right I would say his writing in many ways kind of uh, his world building and uh-huh. his uh, it's not a monomyth I can't remember what the word is but his kind of construction of his own mythology is yeah. pretty pretty incredible you know and yeah. he's he's obviously influenced by Poe um, heavily but I can I think we can see and this is one of the things from reading this story I think you can see his DNA in a lot of science fiction a lot of horror mm-hmm. potentially even a little bit of fantasy that kind of world building is really really something yeah yeah, it's, it's interesting, because we, we picked this book because neither of us had read any Lovecraft. Um, and so this was something that I felt like was, yeah, it just needed to happen for, for me. And it was strange. I had sort of the same impression, like how familiar it felt, even though I'd yeah. never read him before. Yeah, definitely. I will be, when I, when I, <laughs> I opened it, I put it on my Kindle, I opened my Kindle, I read the first page, and I thought, fuck you, Ryan, god damn it, because <laughs> Jesus Christ, that is a soupy, soupy mess. His writing style is, yeah, yep. I mean, it took me a chapter or two to tune into it, which isn't unusual, but this is sure, sure. dense, like, really it, it, yeah. dense. It, it does have that, like, that that Poe like quality to it. Um, like the, I thought of the, um, the cask of Amontillado. Like it has that, that sort of slow pacing until you get further and further along when, when things really start to pick up. Like I, yeah, I did, I did a whole class on, uh, American dark romantics and, uh, very much Lovecraft would have been too late in to be included in that class. But, the you know Poe Hawthorne Melville like influences you for think me you were could very see evident. His influence, uh, yeah. or their influence on him, absolutely, okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but one other thing we talked about this a little bit and joked about it, but he as a as a person was complicated and uh, maybe not so nice. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's very easy to say that his um, opinions and whatnot are, are of the time, but I, I think, and I'm sure that there are plenty of scholars out there who will disagree, or, but by and large, he was a, a racist, and yeah. um, certainly at a point in his life supported the Nazis, so not yeah. a hugely wonderful legacy to leave behind. Um, and I, I think a complicated man. He, you know, again from this list, he suffered night terrors. Um, he didn't go out at uh, in the day very often. I think he's, um, yeah, he's a he's a complex old beast. And uh, yeah. However, what I will say is that again, it's it's touching on that kind of feeling of familiarity. I have read other stories definitely influenced by his mythology in particular. I've read comic books. Yeah. I've played board games. I, <laughs> you know, there's a role-playing game out there. I don't really? think you can 
knock how much of an influence he's had on the kind of weird science slash sci-fi slash just weird writing, horror writing style of thing. So he may be a piece of shit, but that doesn't mean that he can't write a good yarn, you know? Yeah, it's... I think Jacob and I talked about this extensively one episode, but separating like art from the artist. Yeah, and I largely I I, I believe that. In fact, very recently I was just talking with my wife about, um, <laughs> you know, at what point do you not watch somebody's or read somebody's content if uh, they're exposed to be a piece of crap? And uh, it's it's a personal choice, I imagine, to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the the delineation for me would be sort of like how how important are you culturally? You know, like I can deal with Hemingway's misogyny in a sense or I can, you know, read his his writing because culturally he's he's important. Yeah. Um, uh, I have less like space for like, say, R. Kelly or Michael Jackson. You know, because I don't find R. Kelly's music to be like transformative in any any like cultural way. And even Michael Jackson, I would argue, is, yeah, an overblown talent. I mean, he was he was talented for sure. But would music have evolved a certain direction without him? Yeah, absolutely. So I can dismiss those two from like sort of my canonical like listening of music. (laughs) Um, I suppose it's it, for me. It's stuff like uh, Kevin Spacey in particular is yeah. one that I've personally struggled with because, I mean, he's he's in some really good films and sure, I th- there's a couple in particular, American Beauty, The Usual Suspects, that mm-hmm. I, I really love and have rewatched quite a lot over the years. Now, am I never going to revisit those again? Probably. I probably am, quite honestly, you know, and I'm yeah. going to be able to divorce the man from his performance. Well, I hope so. But in Lovecraft's case, there's just no getting away from the fact that his ideas about race and perhaps kind of um, his elitism. Yeah. Um, you know, yes. he was an Anglophile, he was pro certain white races, but not all. I. I think he even married a jewish lady so oh really it's a it's a a hot mess of a human being basically yeah which is uh, yeah which is what we all are but um, this is this is true yeah so let's let's talk about this book specifically so you 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 started off by saying you were like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) what what the first couple of pages i you know i'm Having not read any Lovecraft, I don't know if the yeah. rest of his stuff is like this. As I read on, I realized that potentially he's kind of he's aping like a scientific paper almost. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and the level of detail about like the number of just the number of things that were coming along with them, you know, initially I find that kind of list making intensely boring in any writing. Yes. And I think it's the kind of thing that I read, but my eyes almost half skip over. Yep. Because I knew we were doing this, I was like, you got to read every word of this. Um, <laughs> I Also, I think my 
I was recently in the States uh, with your lovely wife at one point and yeah. uh, then went down to Florida. <coughs> so I was actually reading this book in a swimming pool, walking around in the Florida muggy, humid heat. <laughs> um, so the, <laughs> the contrast was extreme, to say yes. the least. Um, but yeah, I, I really struggled with the, the first bit. The part of me was just like, oh God, this is a nightmare. You know, it's just yeah. so, it's it's very, very, I don't know what we would call it. Just thick, dense, wordy. Superfluous. Oh, yeah, yeah. God. Yeah, it's interesting because we we don't often encounter this like, type of narrative style anymore where like it feels like sort of browbeating the reader into like making the narrator like credible right so that that opening salvo was was all about the technical equipment and you know how you know they're scientists in their own right but not like you know from a preeminent university or research program and you know all this kind of stuff but then he's the the narrator is just building up his credibility right and that's a function of of that era poe has done the same thing um in his writing as well so this i recognized it but i had the same effect like oh fuck is this gonna be like this the whole time yes exactly but what I will say is that that kind of, uh, what can I call it, like the flattening of my interest yeah. meant yeah. that as the narrative picked up pace and as the events start to happen, it it really, man, he knows how to set the stage and he certainly knows how to get the ball rolling. Like, yes. I was engrossed, you know, I really... I was, we were driving from place to place and I was reading it in the back of the car, I was reading it in the swimming pool, I was reading it in bed. Like, I got caught in the story and thoroughly enjoyed it, you know? Yeah. Um, again, I think there is some benefit that I have... I kind of know about this mythos that he's created, so it yeah. was really interesting to kind of fill in some of these gaps in my knowledge. Like, uh, um, But... With with that in mind, I still <laughs> I still found I, I don't have it here with me. Otherwise, I highlighted some of the sections in my Kindle of moments Same. where I was like, "Jesus Christ, this is brutal! This is brutal to get through." Like, yeah, he he repeats a lot of things. Uh, yeah. It's like there was a there was there was a couple of things that really jumped out at me. He used the phrase like um when he was describing the architecture of the city that they were like highly reliant on arches he must have said that like four times and i'm like <laughs> just, just come on or the word um i i would pronounce it aeon but as i understand it it's like the eon. english version of eon okay yeah eon. so but he used that like I probably half a dozen times at least. And it was one of those things that like you you would see like an amateur writer do where they like discover a new word that they're really excited about. <laughs> and it's like, how can I fit this in like every possible juncture? Right. I did, and that's, there's so many things like that. I do. I know what you mean. And I did feel again, I felt as if, you know, as, as somebody who knows a tiny, tiny bit about, uh, geology and world history and like 
<laughs> how rock layers go down. I found that kind yeah. of stuff really kind of interesting, but as you say, in a way where it felt like it was building authority. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you got the sense that these were intelligent men out to do this thing together, like to find these things. And just the... When you talk about the repetition, obviously repetition is definitely an element in this story because the the symbology is repeated again and again and again and yeah you know, the arches are repeated but so is this um you know this symbol above their graves for want of a better word right right um yeah i found it really really interesting and i found their once they're in the city and you know, reading these um, these carvings to learn more. I, I love the fact that the carvings get cruder and cruder as they yeah. they can't yeah. hold the city together. Um, so I I had this sense of I I would imagine that the repetition of arches is probably intentional uh, and eons or aeons or whatever. Like I yeah the build. The build that happens in the story, which I do think is absolutely fantastic, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of playing with that kind of thing. I think. Yeah, yeah, I liked the like for me, the 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 story really caught when we got to I don't remember what chapter it was, um, but where he sort of says, "Okay, this is what we told everybody. This is what the dispatches said." Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing I'm not comfortable telling anybody else. And yeah. then they really like got in the shit about, you know, what their little their little expedition uh, expedition did for 16 hours or whatever. Um there's some super cool details. I I loved the big albino penguins, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um well, in referencing the the painter, which again he did several times, I was able to Google that the uh, Nicholas Rorish, I think. Yes, yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. And so there's there's some really interesting paintings by him that that sort of got me then in the the headspace of of what he was, yeah, imagining. Yeah, I think he he paints the picture of the city really well. I think you know it. There is an. Uh, there's an element of just scariness to the whole thing, you know? It is scary. I, I think that the the problem is that we have seen this place. It's not a problem. It's it's a reality of something that's been done well. Like, we have seen this plot many times and in many different ways before. It made me... Sure. You know, Prometheus, the alien movie, is literally, yeah. you know, uh, stepping on this for several parts of it you know yep yep um so it's it's interesting to see that and the influence that it has but that kind of discovery of an ancient evil or ancient whatever you know yeah something that's a problem for the people who are finding it <laughs> is um is pretty established i would say so this this story structure felt incredibly familiar and, and yeah. if I'm honest, the very end of the story, when they say the, um, Christ, I can't even remember what they say. What is it that this they the sentence? Uh, the they they said uh, Taliki Lee or something. Yeah, yeah. Talk I mean, I kind of 
from the structure of the story, it's a Chekhov's gun, isn't it? Because you yes, you you hear them say it earlier on, and I was like, well, that's coming back. If that's not yeah. in the last like <laughs> paragraph or two, that's definitely right. a missed opportunity. Yeah, um, yeah, wild, wild. So uh, again, it although it's done well, and you can kind of see that this is the maybe not even the originator, but one of the original kind of versions of this this particular style of story. Like, I yeah. do feel as if, because I've seen it so many times in so many different mediums, that it felt a little well-worn. Yeah, I, I do wonder, like, how this would have been originally, like, perceived, right? Like, again, he was predated by, by Poe, who had explored some of these these themes and had a similar style in some of his short stories. Um, And yeah, I just, I I kind of wonder like what the popular perception of, of something like this would have been. And so I spent some time trying to like noodle that over a little bit. And I wondered if on one hand, like readers wouldn't have wanted more in the sense that like, there was a lot packed into their time in the city. They narratively, it was very suspicious to me, I guess that they gleaned so much understanding from all these, uh, these murals and stuff. And there, there was a point where they were like, um, he said something, I highlighted it. Um, but he said something along the, the, the lines of like, um, as, uh, as it's like commonly understood that you know these these things did this and i was like it's commonly understood like you just walked down a hall of murals and took some notes and just oh yeah those those whom the frightful shogoths had characteristically slain and sucked a ghastly headlessness in the great war of resubjugation whatever but it's like there, there were a oh, few it points rolls where off it, the tongue doesn't it? It's yeah. Just... Oh God. There is, there was one part. Rich, I highlighted this just because I was like, "You motherfucker!" Like you really tried to get away with this. So this was on. This was early in the book, in the first half. This mood undoubtedly served to aggravate my reaction to the bizarre mirage which burst upon us from the increasingly opalescent zenith uh, as we drew near the mountains and began to make out the cumulative undulations of the foothills. Like, get yeah. fucked, guy. Come on. I, I Not- genuinely, I reckon if you took every page off the book, put it on the wall, threw a dart at it, you could find a passage as turgid and incomprehensible as that at almost yeah. any point in the book. It is fucking shocking. But yeah. what's sh- even more shocking is that it does hang together and you are kind of like, yeah, badass, get into that city. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's just again like I'm uh, this 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 feels like a like a dare, right? And I think this is this is my gripe with so much of the like writing of this era, like the, you know, 1800s to, you know, early 1900s is there's so much like sort of flexing when it comes to language. Yeah. And it's just so obvious like ugh, come on. Um and I'm just yeah, it was it was a bit of a beating at certain points in this but again like i i read that in this as like a narrative device and it, and like you said without the context of any of his other work i don't know if it's if it's usually this superfluous or 
yeah, if this is just is this the, the narrator? Is this William Dwyer or Dyer or whatever his name is? Is this yeah. just him that he's kind of a overly verbose prick? <laughs> yeah, I mean he's one of what two surviving people who've experienced this uh, this place. So maybe he's just trying to inflate his own self-importance right and part of that is language and posturing i think the again the the sort of structure of the story is him warning off the the next people who are coming yeah um christ that's good isn't it because it really yeah it's like they've sent out these this agreed upon statement and now he's having to like reveal the truth because no my god you shouldn't go there Um, right that's that's wonderful. I really I really enjoyed that, and the fact that a uh, damn fourth has kind of just gone mad basically because yeah. of what he's seen. Um, I thought that was great too. But you could you could imagine like a whole like a whole novel based on this, right? Like, can you imagine the the conflict between him and this uh, whatever the the new exploration party is? Yeah, like him trying to warn them and then you know him going to a press conference or something everybody thinking he's crazy and like yeah, you know him yeah. being able to show the evidence like you 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 could have made this into so much of a larger narrative which yeah on one hand i would have found really interesting um on the other hand this is a very like succinct telling of like a, yeah horror story and it was really enjoyable in that way so why change it so yeah, I, I completely agree with you. There, there's a possibility to blow it out, but I guess that in some ways, what he's doing is building on his own mythology again. You know, he knows yep. that there's other books potentially that he can write, and this is the kind of um, yeah, I suppose it's it's almost like a setup. You know, he's he's doing these things as um, entry points into the greater mythology. Uh, I'm avoiding saying because. Uh, Cthulhu, Cth- Cthulhu, because I find it very difficult to pronounce, and I watched <laughs> I watched a couple of videos of people definitely pronouncing it differently from how I expected. So how do, how do they say it? Because oh, I've always said it the way you said ways. it. It's like uh, anyway, it yeah, it's like I heard a couple of different ones, but I feel like Cthulhu is the geeky agreed upon <laughs> pronunciation. Yeah. What? I mean, I would love for anybody to correct me, but how else would those you fucking say that? I, when you've made up a word, you ooh, can pretty much say ooh. how the fuck you want, can you? <laughs> yeah, like, but, yeah, uh, unless it's in another language, but I'm pretty sure that's how the vowels and the consonants work in the English language. Cthulhu. <laughs> Have confidence in it. <laughs> agree, yeah, agree. But these yeah. are just sort of, like, squid-faced people, right? Like, I guess I'm, I haven't had as much of a foray into like sci-fi and, and fantasy stuff but my understanding it's sort of like the you know tentacly bearded i'm acting this out so yeah yeah no it. and it's it's fantastic <laughs> acting probably <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yes he's the like tentacle faced monster i didn't realize that the um Elder things were different from Cthulhu, and then there was yeah. um, there's other stuff as well. I I think you know I'd heard as I said I sort of heard about the mythos 
separately, but I definitely didn't know the details. So that was interesting to me as I was reading on. It's sort of like, you know, you are digging down into the history of this thing. Um, and I like the fact that, you know, we're in this terrifying city and this terrifying mountain range and we're seeing it and it's like, you know, holy shit, this is scary. And then even the elder things, they have this other mountain range a bit further on and they're like, well, that's a fucking nightmare. Let's not look at that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it's like whoever you are, however scary you are, there's something else trying to get you. Yeah. And I was thinking about like the the Shogoth things too. That I mean that's that's a whole part of this mythology that has appeared in like Marvel movies. Like yeah. um the which uh was it the second Guardians of the Galaxy where they're the beginning they're stealing the batteries um and they fight that like big tentacly oh yeah monster yeah. thing like that's kind of a Shogothian thing there then doctor strange fought something in i don't remember uh wasn't multiverse anyway one of them but yeah anyway so this this is his stuff has has appeared in other culture or other culturally significant things outside of even like the horror genre which is really interesting and i i feel as if there's an element of uh you know, there's a, a kind of crossover here between science fiction and horror because uh, mm-hmm. although I, you know, I am a science fiction geek and that is my genre of choice, um, this is definitely a horror story, but these creatures are coming from the stars, you know? So yeah, there, there yeah. There is this sort of element of um, of sci-fi to that. And I think that there's this interesting thing about them losing technological abilities too. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, the the Shogoth and their uprising is part of that, but um, there's I, I can't even remember exactly what it was, but there was some other ability that they'd lost, you know. Um, yeah, like the yeah their ability to to go to space, uh, and then their ability to to control the no it was something else. Yeah, it was like something they were able to make things. Or yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. They were. I don't remember what it what it was now either, but yeah, there's just there's there was so much of that like packed into this. I, I found it like overwhelming at some points. Mm. Um, and like I said earlier, like there there was that one point where you know they had just sort of. I I feel like the whole running through this city and like taking the photographs and taking the notes and like understanding the knowledge. There was a, it was a bit of a stretch for me knowing that they were there for only a few hours, um, that they had like gleaned all of this knowledge, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you think about how, uh, when explorers and scientists looked at hieroglyphics for the Egyptians, even that's a, yeah, a, a, you know, those are human beings with a mentality more similar to our own. Right. Uh, we still didn't immediately walk through and be like, oh, yeah, okay, totally understand yeah, everything that's happened yeah. here. Whereas they're like, <laughs> for narrative purposes, they're like, this alien consciousness has done some drawings and we totally get it. Yeah, it, that was, I think, the thing that I struggled with the most in the, with okay. this book. It was just that, yeah, 
it just happened too easily. And the the other thing I, I wondered about, um, like, so this obviously changes the like understanding of the world for these for these two characters or anybody who, yeah, you know, who believes what they're what they're saying. And so not only is it like an affront to you know religion, it's an affront to geology and you know biology and all of these things that <laughs> that we as humans thought we understood and there was shockingly like little reaction from the narrator in that regard like that that like idea that he like yeah like his entire worldview his existence has changed um yeah he seemed far more concerned yeah with people going there and experiencing this scary thing as opposed to the psychological like trauma or difficulty of like yeah i don't yeah, you know what i, I mean I, I do i do i think there's a, a bit initially when um i think the guy's called lake when lake finds yeah. the bodies initially and is like doing trying to dissect them and doing that kind of stuff i right, it felt right. as if they were like wow this is amazing but i do understand why uh i, I honestly can't remember this guy's name is it dyer william dyer the, the narrator? Yeah. I don't know. I think I think that's right. I um, have to go back. I, I think with Dyer's writing, I understand what you're saying, but I suppose he's writing this with the express intention of keeping people away, right? Yes. So that's why he's not focused on the... Or perhaps he is focused on the psychological implications, but he's saying it's not worth it. Like, whatever is there needs to be left alone. Yeah. Um, I thought having them have their cities underwater and stuff like that was fantastic. Uh, again, there's this kind of element to this story of um, secret history, you know? Yes, Like yes. The, the unknown history. And obviously that's become like a trope. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel as if yeah. everything in life is a trope now. But uh, yeah. um, that's fascinating, that kind of unlocking of the secret history, you know, the reality of the world. Uh, you're right, he seems to take that in his stride, but um, <laughs> I guess, you know, we know that he's the only survivor who's all together. Danforth is um, is not going to be helping with anything. Right. Um, but then, he's... yeah, begs the question, like, how, why, like... You know, if if he is he really this together? That's interesting. I, you know, I, I thought what was great too was this when they when they initially have um, you know Lake's camp is attacked. Yep, and so many people are dead, and they've mm -hmm. taken one of the dogs and um, uh, one of the guys. So the G, Jed, Jedney, something like that. Well, we'll call him Gary. <laughs> That's it. Let's respect the text and call him yeah. Gary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, he's fucking Gary. Yeah. Uh, when the dog and Gary uh, have disappeared, and initially you think maybe they've been sort of slaved to these creatures or something like yeah. that, but they haven't. Yeah. They've been taken and they've been dissected. And he recognizes in these monstrous alien forms the the scientist, you know? 
that they have done to uh, Gary and the dog, what his what Lake and him and the others have done to the corpses of their companions, you know. Oh, they're both just trying to understand one another, and I like that kind of parallel in there. Um, yeah. And then you have the Shogoth, which doesn't give a shit. It's not trying to understand anything. <laughs> it um, just wants food or it just retribution. Wants something other than Penguin. Yeah. Um, I feel really bad that we we don't remember this guy's name, and I'm, I'm sure thumbing, it's like thumbing get, through Gedney, 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 something like that. That's 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 way closer than Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Gary is again a, a strong Christian name. Let's leave it in Gary. <laughs> Uh, uh. <laughs> and if we can, you know, if the the Lovecraft estate are listening, uh, we give you our blessing to rename the character Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please just make an acknowledgement of our contribution. To this. Yeah, yeah. He's rolling over in his grave right now. Like, <laughs> oh, why didn't I think of that? What? Oh, come on, <laughs> fucking Gary. Gary. That would have been so much easier. Gary's People would have really connected lad. with Gary and the sled with the with the dog. Um, God. So, uh, I mean, a question to you: Will you read any other Lovecraft after this? Um, I, I think I would. I, I think I would explore a little bit. Um, I would. I would definitely pick something up to see if the style is a little bit more fluid. Um, yeah. I don't think that I would read a full-length novel in the same style. Um, I would definitely read short stories, though. Here and there, I'm I'm intrigued. Um, I think the I had a moment where, like, when they when they came over the the pass and they realized that this is like a village, like or a whole like what do they call it a megalopolis? Yeah. Um, that to me was like, oh fucking cool. Yeah. And like Lovecraft, really in in. A, very few words was able to build like a very vivid image of these things in my mind. And I really latch onto that. So I'm, I'm really interested in seeing if he does more. So yeah, I think I, to answer your question, I think I would read more. Would you? So I, I think I'm quite, I'm kind of fascinated by it. And I know that there's another one that's quite famous called the shadow over Innsmouth. And yep. um, I think I'm going to read that to, to okay. see, as you say, if um, I think ultimately I'm re- you're not reading for the characters and I'm not reading for the writing style, but I am reading right. for the plot because right. I, I think the world building and the plot that he's done is um, pretty amazing, you know? Yeah. And it's a cool narrative style, too. I mean, the kind of similar to the last book we read how the you know the shoot the transmissions between uh peter and and beatrice um were really central to moving along the like the you know the overarching plot um of their relationships so too were these you know shortwave transmissions between the explorers that is solid work there linking those two thank books. you that thank is, you god damn, oh that's a round of applause <laughs> uh no and, genuinely uh, that is good stuff no i hadn't i hadn't thought about that but you are absolutely right there is a parallel there between the two of these sort of uh messages firing back and forth with information um, yeah yeah beautiful stuff 
And dear listener, if you have no clue what I'm talking about, our last episode we read Michael Faber's The Book of uh, Strange New Things. And so you can go read that book, listen to that episode, then come back to this episode, listen again, and then you're going to be like, oh, I get that reference. You're going to be like, god damn, Ryan's a yeah. genius. That is a so- <sighs> that's solid work. Such a clever boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Any uh, any parting thoughts on this book? Anything we haven't uh, poked, prodded, or stroked? Uh, no, I mean, I don't really have too much to say that we haven't already said. I mean... Yeah, uh, H.P. Lovecraft is a horrible man, but he wrote a good book or a good novella. Um, check yeah. it out. Like, it's, it's certainly worth a read. Um, and <laughs> when you open the book and read the first chapter, please feel free to think, fuck you, Ryan. Fuck you, <laughs> How dare you? How dare you try and make yeah. me read this? Yeah, that's. I feel like that's always on the table. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I very, yeah. I very often, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't even know if I've reread a single book that I've done for the podcast. Oh, 1984 might be the only one. Interesting. Uh, so I'm very often going completely blind into my into my book selection. So fuck you is always on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, there's a tie-in to our next book um to a current world event that i want to ask you about so um living living in switzerland um i can unfortunately have a very selective uh view of world news sky news the other day um was my news of of choice as i was drinking coffee and they had a little ticker on the screen just counting up the temperature Huh. Um, because of this this heat wave, so um, you being in the UK, I have to ask, how have you survived these last few days of scorching heat? Yeah, well, as you know, I work outside in horticulture, so um, yesterday wasn't too bad because there was a breeze, and I could uh, look, look at how fluidly and interested I am to talk about that. It's a Brit <laughs> talking about the weather. I'm, I'm in my element. Fuck this the books. Perfect. Let's just do... no, but. <laughs> Yeah, once the breeze was up, it was a lot better. On the, the the day where it got up to 35, where I am, maybe 36, in fact, uh, I'm yeah. lucky that I was working in my job for the National Trust, which means I'm I'm right next to kind of like this big, what once was a stately home. Um, and I was desperately overheating, uh, even though I'd started early. I just went down into the cellar of it, and uh, yeah. because it's you know, old stone. It was lovely and cool down there. I was able to cool off. So, but, um, yeah, it's been hot here. And as a country, we are not built for that. Our homes are built to keep heat in rather than yes. keep heat out. So yeah, I think a lot of people have been, um, have been suffering. Um, I, I will say that my cat in particular has just been, I mean, cats are pretty lethargic anyway, but she's sure, just sure. been like, this is not for me. Wow. She laid in the middle of the bed while the fan was on and was like, get away from me. This is all I want. So, Jeez. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, Britain has ground to a halt. But to be honest, anything, a bit of snow, ground to a halt. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's raining, but it's the wrong kind of rain, grind to yeah. a halt. We, we're Amazing. just a country that doesn't enjoy any kind of weather other than the standard <laughs> mean. We don't want any kind of variation too bad. But, uh, 
Well, I mean, this is this is the way things are going. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what it's like with uh, with Switzerland, but over here, a lot of uh, older people are talking about 1976 and the heat wave that happened then. Yeah, um, and they're being like, "Oh, yeah, but that was sort of weeks of temperatures above 30." And then all you need to do is look at the uh, the information, the data of the last kind of 40 years, and you can see that the temperatures have gone up and up and up year on year. I think it's something like 10 of the highest temperatures ever recorded in the UK since records began have happened since 1990. Um, yeah. It's... It's grim. It's going to get hot. We're going to have to adjust to it. Um, the, yeah, it's a, it's a sad reality of the world. Um, I suppose yeah, the big takeaway is fuck climate deniers and their idiotic, ridiculous ideas. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's wild. I mean, even here yesterday, it got up to 33, I think, was the was the high here like Crazy. up the mountain like we live halfway up a fucking mountain so it's <laughs> it's cooler up here than it is in the valley like 700 meters below so um yeah it's it's totally it's totally different but um yeah I, like for me this that kind of heat so i guess in freedom units uh <laughs> 36 would be like 97 degrees ish Fahrenheit Um, I mean that's hot that's hot Uh, in in Texas it's not unheard of Um, but we have air conditioning in every conceivable space absolutely and that was a huge difference between sort of Florida and here yeah and and as I said so parts of the UK I think went up above 40 for the first time ever now that is hot yeah, that's like a hundred and four ish, hundred and three Fahrenheit, and I something like that. That's believe, which is very very hot. And I believe a couple of weeks ago there was that talk of, um, I think it was Pakistan were going up above fifty in places like yeah, you know, pe- people human beings are not built to deal with that kind of heat. Like no, not at all. Yeah, so it's been it's been a weird week. Glad uh, glad you've survived so far but the tie-in is that we're reading a book about trees and nature and activism and weird stuff good shit yes our next episode is going to be about the overstory but before we get to that um we have to we have to put mr lovecraft's book on a shelf somewhere um so since this was mine i will go first um I think this was a fun book. I would recommend it. I enjoyed it enough that I think I would I would read it again. Um and so I'm going to put it on the middle shelf. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I I feel the same way. I'm going to put it on the middle shelf unfortunately. It's it's annoying that we're agreeing with one another, but <laughs> it's very much a middle shelf book. Uh I would recommend this to other people who I hadn't read any Lovecraft. I would, you know, yeah. I would get out there and say it was better than I thought it was going to be. It's worth a read, for sure. Um, but I mean, am I ever going to reread it? Probably not. But as I said, I am going to read other bits of Lovecraft. So I think sure, that's, sure. You know, 
it's a keeping it's a keeper it's a keeper around yeah. her plus it lets it people know that maybe you're a racist so keep that on your bookshelf you know for sure yeah right next to uh who else are famous racist or terrible people um, <laughs> there's so many there's so many keep it next to your your trump biography yeah trump deal. trump biography any yeah anything a republican's written in the last 20 years um come on i was setting you up to do your horrible the horrible terrifying voice there i did don't do it i don't think donald Donald trump's ever written a book um but (laughs) what ayn rand ayn rand how do you i don't know how to say her Um, name um, on yeah isn't she a notoriously terrible person too yeah, but she wrote an uh, interesting book. It's okay as long as, you yeah. know, you can be a piece of shit as long as you write something <laughs> half, half readable. Um, uh, I think she's the big influence on the old libertarians, isn't she? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, who else is terrible? I'm afraid this to joke name... doesn't work if we spring it out. This <laughs> I'm afraid to name people that are alive. <laughs> uh, Let's just name our personal enemies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, you know that I, I we need to end this episode because I'm going to go on a weird tangent. But I was thinking about this the other day, um, about like writing a story about like triumphing over my personal enemy. But mm. I I can't think of anybody that I consider like a, an enemy anymore. Interesting. Yeah, as I, I said, I, like it, I was like I'm blank on the old enemy front there. You know. Yeah. God, when I, mean, I was I could... a kid, I had so many enemies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Like. Yeah. I don't know if I've just defeated them all passively or I just don't believe in anything like I used to. We've we've grown as people. That's what's happened. We've grown as people. uh, Oh, that's the logical choice. All right. Well, uh, we're going to learn some shit about trees in this next episode. So um, go find a copy of the overstory with uh, or written by Richard Powers. Um, Pulitzer Prize winning national book award winning uh booker award maybe i don't remember um but yeah, certainly shortlisted booker. at the very least okay so it's uh it's a book that's won all the book awards it's won all the book awards i mean absolute moron for not calling himself dick powers but we'll yes. we'll come to that later you know Ooh. This, yeah, that needs to be a whole segment in the next episode. Yeah, that's a good 20 minutes. We'll run through that. You, know, you might want to keep a finger on the skip button. <laughs> All right. Well, that is that is our episode this time. Next one is going to be on the overstory. Thank you for listening. And until next time.